This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. It's so good to see you. What a great debate that was last night. Oh, my gosh. Changed you know, my, the way I think about oh, the world. For sure. And, and it changed the way I feel about this election. Now, I've gone from voting for neither of them to I'm going to vote for both of them. <laughs> I'm voting for both of them. Wow, that's a, that's a strong stance. Full-throated support for both of them. They were both so good last night. I'm voting for each. How are you? That's not legal. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, is is this still America? Yeah, but that's one, right. of the, one of the ways it is. All America right. is one man, one vote. Well, I, it's one vote. I'm doing my vote twice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same vote. You're just putting it into right into two different boxes. Yeah, that's the, how good they I, were. I will say this: uh, in your defense, uh, isn't two better than one? I think so. So two heads are better than one. We've been told that our whole lives, mm-hmm. right? It takes two to tango. Uh, two heads are better than one. all of those dumb phrases about two people, uh, and and it just it all applies after you see that debate. Um, last night, uh, this was probably the most out of all the things, out of all the madness, out of all the ignorance from both of these people. Uh, the most talked about thing was probably this from Donald Trump. There is a tradition in this country. In fact, one of the prides of this country is the peaceful transition of power and that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign, that the loser concedes to the winner. Not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to come to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, okay? Chris, let me respond to that oh, because we're here that's to say that. horrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird way. We now keep you in suspense. Hey, look, the appropriate thing to do here, because let's be honest about it here for a second. If you got to an election and it was a very close election and there was evidence of mass election fraud, any candidate and all of us should also say we're not accepting the results. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yes, of course, if there's a real problem, it should be addressed. Um, I think Everyone would agree with that statement. However, to say to predict that in in advance of an election that you're getting destroyed in 
Not good. It's just, I mean, it's just pathetic. It's pathetic. And by the way, this guy who's a big winner, man, he can't seem to, everybody's got a way to outsmart him. Everybody's got a way to defeat him. Yeah. Everybody's got some way to rig an election, to go around the rules. The man can't overcome any of these things by his telling. It's such a weird stance for this Mr. Tough guy that wins all the time. Right. Oh, they're going to take it away from me. Stop it. Go there and go win. Go out and win and stop whining about the refs all the time. I mean, can you imagine, Pat, if you were coaching a high school football team and they all your your teammates kept your players kept coming in and telling you, "Oh, they gave us all the holding, too many holding calls and too many pass interference calls." Go out and win. Stop worrying about them. Let me worry about them. You go out and win. I mean, that is what you're supposed to do. And these mm -hmm. just constant whining from this guy. I, I don't understand it. I know. It never ends. No. It, and he's such a winner. But all he does is whine. And, and yet, yeah, exactly. And, and yet again, he's taking a legitimate point and ruining it. Yeah. Is there a legitimate point that we should have voter ID? Yes. Is there a legitimate point that we have... Are, have have had some election fraud in some questionable circumstances. Yes, that does not mean you go out in advance of an election and say, oh, well, of course, I'm, they're going to steal 25 million votes from me. Stop. Ah, oh, it's just infuriating. He's impossible to defend. I mean, because you go on, I go on, I was live tweeting this thing last night, you know, the debate, and, and you, know, you, you just, you want to, like, look for points in his favor. I mean, I just obviously can't stand him as a candidate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's terrible on policy. But so is she. So I can find lots of things to just criticize her on and lots of things to criticize him on. The issue is when I have to try to find something positive to say about either one of them. But I try. I know the audience uh, likes Trump more than I do, so I try to find the positive things. Even when he's right, he can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, Glenn brought up the, uh, the issue of uh, partial birth abortion. Um, right. And again, like, that is an argument. I mean, 84% of people uh, agree that abortion should not be allowed, not even partial birth, but in the third term. In the, in the third term of the pregnancy. So, I mean, it's got to be even higher for partial birth. It's probably 92% of the American. This is a complete winning issue for conservatives. It's, it's how a partial, partial birth abortion ban, which covers most of them, actually got through. I mean, can you can imagine they actually passed a restriction on abortion in this country? Um, you know, several states have done it. Even Gary Johnson, who is pro-choice, passed a partial birth abortion pan, ban in his state. You know, this is a, uh, a, a an issue of almost universal agreement. Not a high hurdle no. uh, to clear, because there's Thank no you. question at the point when they're being born of whether or not that fetus is human. Right. Or is it a baby? No, there's no there's no doubt there's a baby. There's a human being coming out the birth canal. Now you're going to kill it? N no. I mean, it, we can't, as a society, we should be able to agree on that, uh, that's as low a hurdle as you can possibly get. Uh, Trump also said that uh, Hillary shouldn't be allowed to run. Let me just give you one other thing. So I talk about the corrupt media. I talk about the millions of people. Tell you one other thing. All right. She shouldn't be allowed to run. <laughs> it's she's she's guilty of a very, very serious crime. Hmm. She should not be allowed to run. And just in that respect, I say it's rigged because she but, should but, never, Tris, she should never have been allowed 
to run uh, for the presidency based on what she did with emails and so many other but, things. But that nice outfit like? there from, on Hillary from the from the Chairman Mao collection again last night. <laughs> I actually thought that was that. the best she's looked at the debates, no? <laughs> You, Jeffy, like, you're with me on that? Really yes, absolutely. And uh, I think uh, it was uh, color-coordinated, mm-hmm. right, uh, overall. I think uh, her Chairman Mao suits were red, white, and blue. So, uh, really? Mm-hmm. For the three debates, I, I think, think so. that's worked out, yeah. Mm, that's interesting. That's, I'm surprised Glenn didn't bring that up. That's a Glenn point. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that uh, uh, the power time blue was, uh, <laughs> all right, Glenn, yeah, we know you know fashion. But Jeffy, uh, as he said many times, I am fashion. I, I am fashion, mm-hmm. thank, thank you. you. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, interesting how vitriolic... Uh, Trump is toward her now. I know because that's a woman who went to his wedding. A woman. That's who a woman who he donated to. money to Six just figures. recently to not only her and her campaigns, uh, but to her foundation. And it's a woman he just said in 2011, 2012, she'd be a good president. I know. Uh, I, yeah, uh, very recently. Uh, uh, I'm also fascinated by this idea that she shouldn't be allowed to run. What exactly does that look like? I mean, do, do you yeah. stop her from filing the paperwork? What, what does this mean? I don't know. Go out there and win if you want the damn job. Yeah, you can't. Stop whining about it. Go mm. out and win. That is your, your I mean, look. He keeps complaining about every little circumstance that's not in his favor. Every media source he's whining about. Every time a poll comes out it's, that isn't in his favor, he whines about it. Mm-hmm. Every time like, she shouldn't be allowed to run. What, you're supposed to be running unopposed? What, what is your vision here? Go out and win. Just win the damn game. Do that. Stop whining about it all the time. It's unbearable. It's like you have an opportunity to be president of the United States and you sit here and screw around with this stuff all the time. He can't focus. I mean, I'm even, you're even starting to see people that work at Breitbart or used to work at Breitbart coming out and saying, like, wait a minute. You know, look, I want Trump to win, but shut up about Saturday Night Live. Yes. You know, yeah. win, win. Well, Just go out and win if you want to win. Let's let's take a look at that really and say, you know, does he really want the job? Yeah. I mean, his son, junior said before the debate last night that the job would be a step down. Yeah, he did. And he said, you know, if my father was a politician for the last thirty years, he'd be the greatest politician there ever was. Yeah. He's not a politician. Okay, Junior. Thanks. Thanks for stopping, <laughs> Junior. His 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 kids uh, get all this praise. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Think they deserve it. I, especially. I mean, uh, only I. There's yeah. something. Yes. Special about Ivanka. Mm. And I know. Well, she's beautiful. She's first of all. Is beautiful. there anything beyond that? She's, she's articulate an, and beautiful. An articulate, active, there's a lot of articulate and beautiful women. Speaker. Yeah. Um, and you know when you when you are because think if. Let's just let's throw this out there. If Chelsea Clinton was the was Ivanka Trump, like she had the same attributes as she'd Ivanka be Trump, an she, it would not be yeah, like, would. well, will she be running a, a, a charity or maybe a, a hedge fund? She would uh, no. be probably no. already a senator. Yeah, yeah. right. Like this, the youngest is, senator ever. So she has, and if she, you know, with a with a with a name that now is associated with politics, I mean, Ivanka's going to be dangerous, and you know what? She's probably going to run as a Republican, um, and she's going to be a Democrat. Again, we're going to have this whole thing yeah. again. This whole mm-hmm. same thing is going to hit us all over again. If she wants that life, which she may not. I mean, I, you know, 
you know, when you're a billionaire, it's a lot tougher to talk yourself into those things, which is why probably Trump didn't do it all this time, right? I mean, in the first place. Yeah. Um, he threatened every year. Yeah. Every election year. But. He likes being talked about quite right. a bit. Does he want this job, as Donnie Deutsch asked? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, you're so close at this point. Because you can take this job and not do it. This is the sort of job. I mean, Woodrow Wilson ran the country in a coma. Which is you could take of, which this is job and not do it. Donnie was getting at, right? right? I mean, does he want to win? Yes. Does he want to do the actual work? No. No. Definitely not. Um, here's the other moment, the two moments that everyone talked about in the post-debate analysis, which, I mean, had me thinking that Trump lost the headlines of this debate. I, I don't think he... You know, his actual debate performance wasn't all that horrible for him, grading, grading on the Trump curve. Um, but he lost the headlines. First reason, because he wouldn't accept the results of the election. Secondly, I think, is this one, which is playing very poorly with women. Watch. Well, Chris, I am on record as saying that we need to put more money into the Social Security Trust Fund. That's part of uh, my commitment to raise taxes on the wealthy. My Social Security payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, but what we want to do is to replenish the Social Security nasty Trust woman. Fund by making sure that we <laughs> have sufficient resources. <laughs> He is so impressed with himself he sure after is. he says that. And it's a big-time losing moment for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, he you looks know. terrible. Again, you know what I find fascinating about that? He thinks that's a great moment because he felt the need to come back. She just took a shot at me. Do you believe that? This is a mm-hmm. guy that goes every single after sentence of everybody. his is a shot at somebody. Mm-hmm. He is he, All he does is insult people, and he does it that. Look, I don't want to bring up the whole Ted Cruz right. murdering JFK thing, but it is out there. He's always doing that underhanded sort of thing. She, she does an example of it, which is absolutely tame. He also, he also and does. She, he freaks out. I, I don't want to talk about uh, Ted Cruz's father being a murdering bastard. But that Ted Cruz's father is a murdering bastard. <laughs> yes. he, he murdered, he murdered JFK. And he'll go on like that. And then somebody will say, you just called Ted Cruz's father a murdering bastard. No, I, say, didn't. no I didn't. I told you I didn't want to talk about that. And then all of his supporters are like, no, he, he said, said he didn't, didn't want to talk about it. it. And this is why, and this is why the internet ruins you for people. It's hard when you get that from supporters. You start, you, you mentally start to group supporters in that sort of level of intellect, yes, which is not fair. Obviously, right. a lot of Trump supporters are, you know, people who are like, eh, I got to vote for this idiot. Uh, you know, I understand that, uh, but it's it's tough because you get to like. Yeah, I know. Like this is a, this is the magical thing that I think um, uh, we all need to realize about this election and everyday life, which is there's always a place to go in an argument. You know, this is the thing with like Alex Jones. He'll say, "Well, did you know that you know Obama is actually a rabbit?" You're like, "Wait a minute! I, he's not a rabbit. Look at this picture of him. That's been altered." Well, I mean, look at this other picture of him. This is from a completely different source. That's been altered. Well, this is a report from this website. That website's in the pocket of Obama. There's always a place to go. The question is, is it a legitimate place to go? Is it the truth? You can always find a way to continue speaking and, can, and, and extend an argument. The question is now, what we see with the Trump campaign and many Trump supporters is it, that part, second part of it. Is it true? Is it legitimate? Is it not relevant? They don't care if it's true. They don't care if it's relevant. We live in a post-fact era. That's the freaking Trump campaign, essentially. Breitbart talking. And, I mean, that is, uh, I, I don't know. 
I don't know how you deal with that. I mean, you certainly don't have a country that's worth the crap if you, if you have that sort of mindset. There's much more to, to get into on this uh, debate, but we've got, uh, we've got a, yeah. a, an interview with a presidential candidate who was not included in the debate last night coming up here in a second. Yeah. Carol um, Castle. Let's tell you first about my, uh, Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a phone company that wants to help you solve a problem you probably didn't know existed which is you're with one of the big guys uh, mm-hmm. uh, with your cell phone, and they are taking some of the money you send them every month and donating it to causes you do not agree with, including things like the Hillary Clinton campaign, including things like global warming organizations, Planned Parenthood, all sorts of crazy uh, nonsense that you, know, you don't want to support. Now, look, if you want to support those organizations, you can choose to do so. Uh, but you, your phone company shouldn't be making those decisions for you. Right. That's why we have Patriot Mobile now. They offer nationwide talk and text with high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices. Lower prices than what you're paying now. So competitive is not code for a little bit higher. No, it's lower than what you're paying now. Plus, they donate up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice like NRA, which is going to need the help if Hillary's elected. Uh, Freedom Works, which is going to need the help either way. Uh, same quality service, all the best phones, and they'll even pay three hundred and fifty dollars uh, in fees to switch you over in case you're locked into a service contract. Yeah, how about it? A phone company that supports the conservative values you believe in. Be Go to PatriotMobile.com/blaze, PatriotMobile.com/blaze, or call them eight seven seven three six seven seventy five twenty four. 877-367-7524 for Patriot Mobile. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Hi. Welcome. Triple Eight Seven Two Seven Beck. Pat and Stu. Uh, we've been uh, wanting to get uh, Daryl Castle on, on for a while again. We've, we've had him on... Once couple or twice, once, couple of, once, maybe. once a year, once on radio. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I love his policies, and so uh, we thought we'd have him on uh, again here and uh, and find out a little, dig a little bit deeper, and see see where he's going. With yeah, things. the polls last night showed uh, Hillary Clinton winning the debate, fifty two to thirty nine was one poll. Another one was a little bit closer. The YouGov poll was a little closer than the CNN poll, but both had Hillary winning. Uh, not included, however, in the debate was the representative from the Constitution Party, Daryl Castle, who joins us now. Daryl? Hello. Good morning. Ah, well, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, let's just start here. I mean, the debate was last night. What were your thoughts about it? And, and, and if you could, you know, what's it like trying to run a presidential com- campaign when you're not allowed to participate in the highest-profile event? 
Well, I would say, uh, what's it like? It's uh, it's frustrating uh, mm-hmm. about the debate. Uh, I was uh, very disappointed in a couple of things, uh, and that is that there's information out there that has not been uh, made public, that's not been brought out in these debates. I don't know whether it's that Mr. Trump is not very quick on his feet or what it is, but uh, uh, for example, when they were talking about uh, the moderator asked a question about uh, uh, the speech that she gave to the Brazilian bank where she said she dreamed of a hemispheric open borders and a Mm -hmm. hemispheric uh, common market. Uh, which uh, I can't imagine many things more horrifying than that. But nevertheless, uh, he let her slip very quickly into blaming that on Russia instead of going into, well, well, uh, regardless of where these emails came from, let's talk about what's actually in the emails. Let's talk about what you actually said, because what she is talking Mm -hmm. about is, is erasing America as a nation. If you look at all those emails as a whole, they're they're as I said, they're horrifying. And uh, nothing is being said about it whatsoever, you know. And also, you have the fact that she uh, she purports to uh, to be a great friend of the poor and uh, and uh, middle class people, and uh, she wages war against the banks publicly, but privately she vows to defend them, right. as she said she has done the whole time she was a senator. Those are all in those emails, but nothing like that is brought out. A two faced hypocrite. Mm. Is what those emails scream out. But I don't know whether it's uh, a deliberate tactic on uh, on his part or whether no. he just doesn't think quickly or not. Right. That's my take on it. Yeah. Well, I don't think he he doesn't have conservative principles, so he doesn't know how to challenge people right. when they're talking about progressive or or globalist ideas like that. He, he has That's no true. yeah he has no clue how to defend issues like that. For instance, what would your what would your response be to the Supreme Court nominee discussion uh, about whether you uh, appoint or nominate a judge who has original intent that the that the founders had, or uh, do you go with somebody who believes the Constitution is a living, breathing document? Well, I would have come out very quickly and very strongly in favor of uh, original intent. My whole campaign, my whole life is based on that. I would have also said when they asked the question, do you think Roe versus Wade should be reversed? I would say yes. And the only judges I would appoint were people who make a commitment to me that they support that and so forth. Uh, just just be unafraid and lay it out there. Oh, everybody's afraid of that, Daryl. Nobody can, nobody can actually articulate that position that, yes, I want Roe v. Wade overturned. Why don't you? I mean, it, we're, we're talking about human life. Why don't you want it yeah. overturned? How do you defend yourself against the, those who claim that then you're violating women's rights? Well, I say that uh, uh, life is very important. God is the giver of life. The Constitution uh, is dedicated to protecting life. So what it really comes down to is uh, what do you think life is? Uh, I believe that those those people that live inside their mothers are actually people. Uh, with full uh, constitutional rights, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to uh, to abuse anyone. I'm trying to protect human life as the Constitution and and uh, 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 the the rule of law in general would obligate me to do. And uh, you know, I, I I ask people. Sometimes people will say, uh, 
Well, I'm uh, I, I'm personally against abortion, but I think Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. So it should say, well, well, why are you against it? Well, I mean, what about abortion makes you against it? Uh, if it is the actual unlawful killing of another human being, uh, what a, what Supreme Court decision could justify that? <laughs> right. uh, and so forth. Yeah, right. I because mean, really, why else would you be against it? Right. Uh, and there's no reason to right. be against abortion if you don't feel like you're taking the life of someone who's innocent. Um, and it doesn't seem like people are comfortable. And I think this is largely on the Trump perspective, is that it's just not natural to him at all. He's not believed these things for more than yeah. a few months. And mm-hmm. I mean, do I you, you're, uh, you're right. Do you believe, Daryl? I mean, you've watched this just like everybody else closely and even more closely since you're in the middle of it. I mean, do you believe the pro-life transition of Donald Trump? I mean, do you see that he is well-versed enough in the arguments and the policy to make it something that would be meaningful if he was elected president? Uh, you mean, uh, are you asking if I, if I believe he actually has made a transition into pro-life? <laughs> yeah, yes. I think I am No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I don't think he cares about it one Not, way or I, the other. exactly right. He's just trying to, uh, to do what his handlers have told him is necessary to do to, to align himself with people on that side of the spectrum. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, Donald Trump um, announced a $680 billion plan to uh, fund women's maternity leave and child care. Uh, he's also announced a over $550 billion stimulus package, more than double what Hillary Clinton's package uh, is. Do you have a position? I mean, what's your stimulus package? Please don't tell me it's triple. Um, <laughs> what are your position on, on, on this sort of spending for these purposes? Well, since since money means nothing and it's just created on some bank's computer, uh, I'd propose we just send every person in America a million dollars. That ought to help. I mean, why I like not? That. What difference does it make? Right. Uh, obviously, I don't feel that way, but I, I'll ask another question, and that is, in this hemispheric uh, open border world that Mrs. Clinton says she dreams of, and uh, I would argue that, that Mr. Trump doesn't do a very good job of, of refuting, how is she going to uh, to fund this this social welfare state that she seems intent on mm. on on enlarging? She said uh, flat out that she wanted to increase entitlements. Uh, does that include every single human being in this hemisphere? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. If so, how can the American taxpayers afford that? And number two, what does it say about the jobs of all those middle class and lower income people that she says she's going to create? Uh, would those jobs include uh, everyone in, for example, Haiti, uh, in, in, in Venezuela, which is on its knees now and torn apart, and many other countries that you can name? Does it include all those? Are we supposed to pay for that, too? Uh, I mean, it's a horrifying uh, thought, and uh, anybody can look at it and see where it's going to lead, and it's a disaster. Well, her... Her claim is that she's going to pay for all of this stuff by taxing the rich, and that seems to be her go-to phrase. She's going to she's going to tax the wealthy, and and that's always the answer. How do you put a stop to this class warfare? How well, do you- uh, let me just say that uh, every everybody knows. I mean, I, I mean, everybody who's looked at it knows. Let me put it that way: that that there isn't nearly. I mean, if you took every penny that is earned by every person in America who makes more than $250,000, which I think was her threshold, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make a dent. Uh, the money is in the middle class. She knows that. I know it. And I assume you know it. Uh, you're going to have to go to them to support this uh, this state that she's trying to create. So 
mm-hmm. this class warfare, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I purport to fight it in many different ways, but, but what I say is let everybody keep their income, regardless of how much it is, because I propose a different taxing system. Uh, there'd be no need to, to yeah. use people's income to divide them and to create this. this, this but, the, you know, she says the, the same people that she, uh, she serves privately, she serves, she charged $220,000 for a one-hour speech to that Brazilian bank. The same people that she serves, she says, oh, they're horrible people. We're going to, to make them pay their fair share. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I want to get into, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Russia here before before we get, let you go. But quickly, you, you mentioned your tax plan, which is really interesting. I think you're the only one proposing anything like it. It's, it I mean, it really allows the states to sort of develop a system of their own and kind of look at the strengths of their own states and try to t- capitalize on them. Can you kind of talk about w- what the plan is and how it works? Well, yes, it would be uh, the, the the budget is simply uh, laid out to the states with the census. In other words, uh, if your state of, uh, of Texas had uh, had 5% of the nation's population, mm-hmm. Texas would be responsible for collecting 5% of the budget. And uh, Texas could do that any way it wanted to. It could uh, it could tax its oil and gas industry, uh, all those refineries that I think now, unfortunately, are owned by Saudi Arabia across the uh, Texas Gulf Coast, and uh, any other thing. It could develop toll roads. You know, it could uh, have a toll road running across Texas that it charged uh, tourists a dollar to drive on, and only charged Texas people ten cents or something like that. And uh, in Alaska, they could raise the money by taxing petroleum and their mining and that sort of thing. Tourism in Florida and Hawaii, mm. gambling in Nevada. So it would free up people's income. But more importantly, the most important thing is it would it would uh, return sovereignty to the states, mm-hmm. so that the state representatives, the the congressmen, congressmen and women who who are elected by the various people of the states, would be under pressure from their own people. To hold down the federal budget, if you know, if the federal government said, "Well, there's people over in the Middle East that I'd like to go fight," uh, they'd have to go back to the states and say, "But folks, we're going to need to go fight these people, uh, and so we're going to need another trillion dollars." Some people back in the states might think, "Oh, well, now I see who's going to be paying for that." Let's think about this war and see if it's really. Necessary. So those are some of the things that it would accomplish. So and I wish I had the opportunity to to stand up there and talk about it. So do I. I, I so you're saying you would eliminate the federal income tax? That would be gone. Yes, exactly. Okay. Wow. If the states uh, wanted to raise their portion of the budget by taxing their people's income, I mean then, that would be fine with me. Okay. I mean that's a really interesting plan, and it's you know we yeah, we've is. been tossing around the same three or four ideas for a million years. It's kind of kind of interesting to have a new. Don't think uh, I've entry. heard that one. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, let, let's quickly touch on Russia. You were tweeting last night about the debate, uh, talking about how Hillary was fishtailing on the no-fly zone and the confrontation with Russia and the problems it would cause. Uh, really, I mean, we're at a weird point. I, I can't imagine what Ronald Reagan would think, thinking that we're in a situation where the Republican candidate gets along really well with the Russian dictator and the Democrat is the one fighting with them. I don't, my mind is blown yeah. as to where we've become. What do you actually do with Russia and Syria and, and, and the whole situation there? Well, I think she uh, she obviously uh, wants to use Russia to detract from the fact that uh, 
she's a two-faced hypocrite because uh, she she serves these banks and then says she hates them and that sort of thing. So she lays it all at the feet of Russia. But uh, mm-hmm. what would I do with them? I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't think Trump is that far off. I mean, if Russia wants to fight ISIS, that's fine with me. And uh, I'm not sure we need to 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 invest the the blood of our uh, sons and daughters in who runs Syria. Mm. Uh, I mean, what business is it mm-hmm. of ours who runs Syria? I mean, I think about it, and I think, well, I wish that they had a really nice ruler like we do. I mean, a really benign, uh, helpful. Uh, moderate person like Barack Hussein Obama to run their country, but they don't. You know, they've got Mr. Assad, and they've had his family for almost 50 years now that have been running that country. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, why can't we think of something to do besides go to war? You know, ever since uh, the United Nations was uh, was formed back in 1945 to end war, we've done nothing but fight. Yeah. Uh, so that would not be my first option to go fight Russia. I mean, I have no problem talking to them. I, I don't personally see them as a terrible aggressor over there. I mean, it's not Russia who's at the border of the United States. It's not Russia who's in Mexico and in Canada, but it is NATO and the United States who's at the border of Russia. I mean, that if I were the Russian leader, that would upset me and make me very nervous. Mm. So he's, you know, he's got a weak leader in the White House, and he's trying to throw his weight around and intimidate and so forth, and it seems he's being pretty successful. Mm. So would you say then in general your foreign policy or or your military policy is pretty much hands-off, non-interventionist? Well, I, I don't mind the label non-interventionist. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't fight unless I had somebody to fight. Yeah. Um, I don't go looking for people to fight. If, if the United States is threatened, and uh, you know, and we want, we need to confront these people, and we need to consider war to 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 threat, then that's fine. But. Uh, uh, all these people that are agitating for, for war with Russia and so forth, I, I'd like to ask them, uh, would you give your son or daughter to this? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's that important? I mean, look at your children. Would you commit them to this struggle knowing that they might be killed? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, would- so um, try to personalize it, I suppose I could say, and, and, and see if this is really a threat that's with, worth committing uh, the blood mm-hmm. and treasure of the United States, too. I don't see it so far. Would you have, for instance, gone into Afghanistan after 9-11? Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think not. It's not my nature. Uh, I like to think I could have solved that problem some other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure at this point that I could have. I mean, um, uh, it, you know, I, I don't think I would have. But, uh, you know, I leave open that possibility that there would have been no other way to address it, but I, I certainly would have looked for some way. But, and, but definite no on Iraq, then, I assume? Yes, a definite no on Iraq. Okay. All right, Daryl Castle, castle2016.com. If you want to get involved with the campaign and make donation, uh, anything else, what are you looking for right now? What, what actually is helpful? Is it money? Is it uh, volunteers? Oh, it's always money. <laughs> <laughs> it really is always money. It's it? always money, yeah. All right, Daryl. Um, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I really bet. do. And uh, call me back sometime. Uh, we will. Yeah. We'll sit down together. Yeah, we'd right. yeah, like to have you on again. Thank you so much, Daryl Castle. Right. Uh, for Thank the Constitution Party. Thanks, By the way, on the on the uh, on the ballot, and I think uh, thirty five states. Quite a few. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Constitution Party. They they talk quite about the big three third parties. 
typically, mm -hmm. being the Libertarian, Green, and Constitution parties. Mm -hmm. um, so they're right in that mix all the time, and usually on uh, you know se several dozen uh, you know ballots. By far the best I've heard, Daryl Castle. Yeah, he was great. He was great. He was uh, good. Really interesting, and he has uh, some stuff I don't always agree with. But I mean, I, the tax mm -hmm. plan I think is fascinating. I I've never it really is. seen a full analysis of that. I'd like to see how that would work because it gives at least the power of the states to exploit right. what their state does best, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, a throwback a little bit yeah. to, the, uh, to the good old days of federalism. Um, to the founders, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Uh, more patents to it coming up. What a concept. Yeah, it's huh. Taxation like the founders intended. This is our the new little guest arrangement here. Uh, it's like just, just close quarters. It's kind of cute. Mm -hmm. um, we're we're going to hug at some point during the. If that's no okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. As long as we no sway. Question. All right, good. <laughs> Scott Litzikov is joining us. He's an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, um, and uh, is one of the few people apparently in America that remembers that conservatives are in favor of free trade. Right. Which I, at some point we've completely forgotten. Lost our minds. I, it is really amazing. Let's uh, watch the clip from last night that dealt with this issue where the Republican nominee was criticizing Ronald Reagan on free trade. Watch. I think it's important to recognize that he has been criticizing um, our government for decades. You know, back in 1987, he took out a $100,000 ad in the New York Times during the time when President Reagan was president and basically said exactly what he just said now that we were the laughing stock of the world. He was criticizing President mm. Reagan. This is the way Donald thinks about himself, puts himself <laughs> into, you know, the middle and says, you know, I alone can fix it, as he said on the convention stage. Could I just respond? Well, no. Well, no. Because Sorry, I did disagree with Ronald Reagan very strongly on trade. I disagreed with him. We should have been much tougher on trade even then. I've been waiting for years. No okay. one does it right. And frankly, now we're going to do it. Right. So, all right. He essentially just agreed with her. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Everything she said is exactly right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Damn it. I'm really pissed off, but she's exactly right. Oh, yeah. I mean, conservatives what? for a while have been trying to figure out a way to talk about things without saying they agree with Reagan. I guess we found one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we saying we disagree with him. People come to us all the time, yeah. Scott, and they say, look, you know, trade is killing our jobs. Free trade is killing our jobs. It's taking all our jobs overseas. What do you say to these people? Well, first, I mean, it's important to just step back and look at the facts. You know, um, first, let's talk about Donald Trump in the 1980s. Donald Trump in the 1980s and early 1990s used to sit around and instead of China, he, he bashed Japan. Yeah. Japan was taking all of our jobs. Japan was destroying our economy. We were all going to be speaking Japanese. Mm. Uh, let's look at what happened, right? Uh, it hasn't, of course, happened. Mm -hmm. Instead, the Japanese economy, after a lot of state intervention, has struggled through decades of economic stagnation. All of those industrial policies that yeah. Donald Trump seems to love, um, they failed. And so Donald Trump has moved on to another boogeyman. Because the Japan example was patently yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. We're all 
fairly fluent in Japanese. We are. Right, that's just us, you know. though. We're just, yeah. we're scholars. Yeah. So yeah. that's just the way we Well, are. you know, I mean, the uh, people write about how they think that his views on Japan were literally taken from um, getting bested in New York real estate in the early 1990s. <laughs> right, right. So, of course, that means yeah. the Japanese are killing us because he was getting killed on mm -hmm. real estate in yeah. the 1990s. But back to the facts. So Exactly what happened. Right, exactly. So, first we can look at the abject ridiculousness of some of his past statements, some of these boogeymen things. But it's also important just to understand that the things that po protectionist politicians like Donald Trump say about the destruction of American manufacturing, simply not true. Manufacturing output is at an all-time high. We produced $2.4 trillion mm. worth of value last year our manufacturers did. We're the second wow. largest manufacturer in the world. Now, what has changed is manufacturing employment. Now, that's not due to trade, or not mostly due to trade. What we see is between 75 and 90% of all yeah. job losses are due to robots. So politicians can attack robots. What are they going to do? They're going to attack dirty. <laughs> well, they could. Well, they, could. they could attack robots. I actually, I, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised to see Trump come out as yes, an anti-robot. Uh, Any day, that's coming. And make America great again by destroying all the robots. But so they go out, mm. they pick a foreign boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Now we're at, on mm -hmm. to China. And the, ignoring these kind of basic facts. Yeah, I mean, it, it, let's talk tariffs for a minute. Sure. We hear this all the time from people in our audience. And look, you understand it at some human level where you used to work at a factory. Mm -hmm. That factory is now closed. Maybe that industry isn't doing so well. They're still manufacturing these products overseas. And now you don't have your job. Right. That person is who Donald Trump is targeting. And when they say, hey, the, the place where your factory went, we're going to dump a 45% tariff on him. You can you can understand how it might connect with. Them. Of course, it resonates, and the, that's really the difficult thing with trade. The seen is that job loss. The unseen is all of the other jobs that are created or supported through permitting that free market competition. And we call it creative destruction for a reason. There's inevitably some destruction. But there's a heck of a lot of creation that goes on as well. You know, one of the things I like to mention is, you know, over half of everything we import, including from China, are, is stuff used by manufacturers, our American manufacturers, to produce other stuff. So while a steel job might have been lost, a steel consuming job mm. got gained. Mm. And in fact, steel Consuming manufacturers outnumber steel workers in the employment by 60 to 1. So, you know, we wow. don't think wow. about these. That's the unseen. Wow. You right. never see that. That's so what huge. Trump likes to do is point to a closed steel factory, a yeah. lost job, and ignore all of the unseen benefits. And I'm not even talking about the wonderful benefits you and I get when we go to the grocery store. We can now get <laughs> avocados year-round. We get cheap roses. We get all these great things. I'm not even talking about those consumer benefits. And while that argument may not play well in Pittsburgh... I mean, the rest of the country has benefited greatly from right. that. Exactly. So what, again, what Trump and other protectionists do is they say they're coming after you next. Now, again, they ignore that about 80 percent of our economy is in services these days. Mm -hmm. um, there's just not that same type of foreign competition um, or concern in manufacturing. So they stick to this very narrow sector and they say you're next, even though it's actually impossible that you're next. So, you know, it, and, 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 you know, for those of us who know all these fun stats or boring stats, 
It's very frustrating. Stats are never uh, boring. Stats are never boring. Well, no, don't say those things. Well, facts are important. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing that you tell the steel worker and is that, look, yes, there are real problems in the American economy. We have a big labor dynamism problem. In other words, people aren't adjusting like they used to to find new jobs or better jobs. We're not moving as much either. Uh, businesses aren't getting created as well. And we have all of these regulatory and tax problems. But slapping a tariff on one product to subsidize your job at the expense of everybody else, not all those steel-consuming jobs, all those American consumers. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. trade benefits primarily p the poor because they have they can stretch their budgets further. You know, rich guys like us. Oh yeah, right, right. Right. Well, rich guys like us, you know, or rich guys like Donald Trump, they don't care if the price of a T-shirt doubles. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. care if their iPhone adds an extra it goes up by a hundred bucks, but. Poor American consumers sure do. Working yeah. moms, mm -hmm. people really trying to make ends meet. Can you do a minute or so on the trade deficit? Sure. Everyone brings up to us, we're losing all this money. We're just yeah. funneling this money to China. Right. So the first and most important thing is we're not losing a dime. When we buy an import, we're getting something in return. Last time I checked, China is not launching HDTVs at us. <laughs> we're, we're buying them. Yes. I wish they kind of worked. Yeah, that would be awesome. Actually, 4K. Let's go yeah, okay, to 4K yeah. now. Uh, but that's the first thing. So, so there's no loss there. That's actually a mutually beneficial economic transaction, whether we're buying mm -hmm. TVs or steel Just or Just like you, when you go to McDonald's, you don't lose money when you buy a Happy Meal. Exactly. Right? So, so that's the first thing. The second really important point is that every dollar that we spend on an imported product there is, is matched dollar for dollar by foreign investment. So the trade deficit is only half of the equation. There's a foreign investment half, and they always have to balance. It's, it's an economic truism. So the United States runs a massive foreign investment surplus. So every hmm. dime that goes out in exports comes back eventually, in the form of foreign investment. We see this. You know, here in Texas, there are a lot of uh, multinational manufacturers, foreign-owned domestic here. In the Carolinas, where I live, they're all over the place. Mm. So, so that's the other problem with, with obsessing about the trade deficit. I'd also point out that the trade deficit actually grows uh, with the economy. So as our economy, yeah. economic growth accelerates, trade deficit, de trade deficit accelerates. Now, that's not because the trade deficit causes economic growth. It's actually just because it tracks economic growth. Hmm. We're more hmm. prosperous. We're buying more stuff. Right. That makes so sense. that's what we do. All right, um, Scott, we're, gonna, we're out of time here. We're going to do the never break. Uh, Scott Linsa, come out on Twitter. Great. If you want to see all this stuff in charts and fancy line graphs, which I always love, so uh, sorry. that's the place to go. <laughs> uh, from the Cato Institute, Scott Linsa, come. We'll be back in just a second. I know what. Uh, well, I mean, it's Scott just because it's up, culture, you know. I mean, it's Scott, I know. Scott brought up uh, all the trade going on with Japan. Not once did he mention the trade deficit in beads. Oh, that's right. Because you're, you're <laughs> that's people, right. All you're, my you're Cherokee Nation. All the beads we once made by hand, <laughs> nowadays are yeah. made in Japan. 
<laughs> it's funny because that is easy. Yeah. That was when I was That's growing right. up. That was oh the yeah, Japan thing. was the, the big boogeyman. Do you remember now the Michael China? Keaton? Remember Michael? I think it was Michael Keaton was in that movie Gun yes. Ho. Yes. <laughs> it was all yes. about like closing down all the all the shops and like all the yes. these completely over the top stereotypical Japanese yeah, people. It was that come all in Japanese. It. Yeah. And like uh, things you could never say, I mean, because they all had their ridiculous accents, and you know every (laughs) stereotype you come up with. But that was what it was in the '80s. Everyone was saying that you know we've lost our car industry. We had this is the first time we were bailing out the auto industry uh, back in those days. I mean, it really it's the same story, isn't it? By the way, uh, some breaking news: Donald Trump is uh, doing a speech right now, and he has just promised to accept the election results. Oh wow! If he wins. <laughs> That's a true. That if he wins, win. he will if accept he, the results. If he won and there was a massive election fraud evidence, he wouldn't want it he overturned. He doesn't care. I mean, no. shouldn't you? No. No. Not okay. if you're Donald Trump. Not if you're Donald Trump. No. Got it. All now that. I understand. After the elephants during a parade, mm-hmm. or would you rather clean up after Donald Trump following a debate? I mean, I, I think I have a shovel. Yeah, and I, I and I have gloves. Yes. Oh, definitely the elephants. Okay. I was going to ask um, an example from. Uh, uh, it's easier from uh, right? uh, the uh, great, late great, and, and he's still alive, but philosopher Weird Al Yankovic. Who uh, described a situation in which you would, uh, would you rather clean all the bathrooms in Grand Central Station with your tongue mm-hmm. than defend Donald Trump after a debate? Was that his question? He didn't ask the Donald Trump part. He said, then spend one more minute with you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, it's a song I sing Jeffy to sleep every night. That's how I know. And, I'd uh, rather clean all the bathrooms in Grand, Grand Central, Central Station, Station with, my, with, with your tongue. tongue. Then spend, then spend one, one more, more minute, minute with, you, with you, or in this case, uh, defending Donald Trump after a debate. I, I don't know. I mean, look, there probably somebody spilled something good in the bathroom at some point. It's possible. Someone might have a, spilled a soda. Uh, maybe someone spilled. I mean, you're going to get some things that's not going to be pleasant, but I mean, you're not going to have to sit there and, and make yourself look like an idiot. It doesn't sound like a parody right? song. Was it? Uh, it was, <laughs> it was a, a parody? Great, I love that song. Uh, it's called <laughs> One More Minute uh, for all you Weird Al people out there. But he's talking about a relationship. And it's based on what song? Uh, it's, 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 it's not a parody. It's a, it's a stylistic one, right? parody. Yeah. Um, it was many years ago he did it, but it was, uh, huh. it was a... I didn't know he did that kind of stuff. Um, so are yeah. you holding back Weird Al's creative <laughs> talent <laughs> genius? I mean, I, if you, if you want to talk Weird Al for a block, I'm into <laughs> no, it. I, I, just so you know. I don't think but he do does, his, uh, his albums would come out and they'd have like three or four, four parodies, which he would do last and he would do, when he was recording, he would record all the, he called them stylistic parodies, um, in which they kind of sound like a band you know or a style of music you know, okay. but they're just his own lyrics, and they're not any particular That's song. That song is really, is really funny. By the way, it's a great breakup song. I, I think it's likely that uh, Weird Al <laughs> yeah, makes I it into the Rock exactly and Roll Hall of Fame oh, before would. Foreigner does. I mean, no, no offense to <laughs> Foreigner, of course, but I mean, you have a man who's owned an entire genre for his entire career. It's pretty freaking impressive. 
I mean, it's a smaller, it's a big fish in a yes. small pond situation, I'll grant you. It is. But he did have a number one uh, album just last year. That's right. I remember, first one ever. That's right. Yeah, so. Anyway, I will, anyway. again, I could talk about Weird Al for this entire segment. Probably not the right direction. Well, if we talk to uh, Weird Al and uh, Canadian sports, like uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> then we could, did something happen? I, <laughs> we I think we'd get all kinds of... Why are people clapping? Canadian parody fans watching the show? They probably would. So there'd be like four people. So oh, I forgot to check the, the box score. What happened? <laughs> my, soul, my soul was crushed. Uh, oh no! Oh, that's no, what happened. Honey. My no. soul was crushed. <laughs> if your soul was crushed, yeah. that means that the Toronto Blue Jays. They lost, Jeff. Okay, that's they, what I want they, to hear. They lost, Jeffy. They, out, they only out... mean we're not going to hear about the Toronto Blue Jays anymore this year, does it? They were only able to outlast every oh, team no. in, the, in the majors except for four or three. Oh, no. Only they did not. They only finished in fourth place, uh, which is sad. Um, mm. Is BYU fourth yet? And they ranked fourth in the nation? No, they're, no. They, could, they still have first possible. Oh, really? First is possible? First is still possible. So you want me season to just remind you then? Uh, the season's still on. Yeah. The BYU season is still They're going. Playing Boise State tonight, baby. Tonight. Well, the, the Major League Baseball season is also still going. Two shutouts in, a, in, a, in four games. I know, that's two shutouts for that's that team. That's insane. And yesterday they start like a 22 year old who's thrown nine pitches in the major leagues and, and shuts them I mean, down. I don't want to start anything, but uh, a lot of people are saying that it was fixed. It was. The whole thing is rigged. Uh, I, 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 the ALCS is rigged. Yeah. I'll let you know if I'm going to accept the results, but probably not. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's what. So Trump last night is, is on the debate stage and says, "Oh, look, you know, I'll let you know. I'm going to keep you in suspense. Uh, you know, I don't know. I have to see what happens at the situation. Like before we get into what the Trump campaign has done with this statement, which is the, sorry, the typical thing that Donald the Trump campaign I don't know always who's does. Responsible for that? Well, I do because you have him so know, loud. I don't know what happened there. That was really weird. <sighs> Um, so I was talking about Trump, and I don't know what I was talking about. No, so, you're last oh, night. Okay, so, so we need to spin defend, mode, right, to, right, defend, to defend him. Trump a little bit. Let me start defending Again, Trump a little bit. It's cleaning up after Donald Trump. Right. He yeah. makes a statement in a really ridiculous way. Is there a, th- a thread of sanity in his statement? Well, yeah. Sure, of course. If we get to an election and there's obvious election fraud, of course we shouldn't accept the results, whether you win or you lose. No, we all want an election that's fair and actually based on voting. Okay, so if there is a situation in which there is uh, uh, terrible activities that go on, well, yeah, I don't think you foreshadow. I'm going to try. You just look like a sore loser. Um, and he looks like a loser right now, a freaking loser. Listen to, to some of his media backers talk about him right now. Mm-hmm. Well, when Hillary comes president, we're going to blank, blank, blank. There's always something that they're going to do when Hillary becomes president. It's no longer if, it's when Hillary becomes president. So he is mm-hmm. seemingly not doing so well. But the, the spin begins. He says, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, look, uh, we're not going to respect the election results. Uh, you know, at least uh, we're, we're going to keep you in suspense on that. So that turns hmm. into Kellyanne Conway in the spin room immediately after saying, well, look, we don't have to worry about that because he's going to win. He's going to win the election. Oh, yeah, I saw that. He's going to win the election, so we're not going to have to worry. Well, what if he loses? Well, we're going to win, so we don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. That's their first step. Then it becomes, well, look, we're going to accept the results if it's a legitimate election. We're just going to make sure we're going to have to make watch and everything. Now, today, turning to Donald Trump in a speech, I would, I would reserve my right to contest or file a legal challenge in the case of a questionable result. Oh, my God. Now, is there any person on earth who thinks Donald Trump came up with that sentence? No. He's never <laughs> spoken a sentence that coherent in his entire life. No. <laughs> but, I mean, that is a legitimate standard. He can reserve his right 
to file a legal challenge within the system if there he believes is a questionable, questionable result. That is baked into the system. It is his right to do so. He probably shouldn't be foreshadowing a loss. That's not typically the way people do that. Um, but that is also there right. is no reason to believe that there is any problem in this election. There's no reason to, to believe that, that it's been rigged against him. The only thing he's talking about, really, is the lack of support in the media that he's getting from the New York Times and some others. Yeah. He's getting a ton of support in other outlets. Some of these places yeah. are propaganda pieces and for him. Right. I mean, he was a beneficiary of the rigging. Um, I mean, you know, early on in the primary. I mean, he got yeah. eight, you know, $1.9 billion of free media. Nobody, got, nobody else got over $300 million. Um, so, I mean, he was a huge beneficiary of that, which helped him win the primary. Remember, this is a guy whose son, who is basically, uh, you know, in the campaign and has been helping in the game, runs a major New York publication, mm-hmm. I mean, he, <laughs> which endorsed Trump. I mean, uh, you know, the New York Observer endorsed Trump. Jared Kushner owns the New York Observer. Yeah. Be, be, you know, I, I mean, it's not... Not everybody's against him. Breitbart, his is a, is a website that conservatives go to, some... Uh, I should say that again. Some ethno-nationalists go to, and a, f- a couple conservatives go to, um, which is run by the guy running his campaign. Uh, you know, uh, other media personalities he's brought on board uh, to be in the, his campaign and argue for him. Uh, you know, yes, he is, he is a, the victim of what every Republican um, a candidate is the victim of. But, I mean, it's all about scale. Mitt Romney was treated unfairly by the media. A lot of people didn't believe it because all they could come up with, well, he gave a haircut to a kid in, like, seventh grade, and uh, his, he left his dog on his, on his roof at one point. With Trump, they're like, oh, here's 97 women who, who had their hand up uh, their skirts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little easier for the media to do this, and he's making it easy because he's been a douche his entire life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which is why, by yeah. the way... He's the grand nozzle of the douche hall of fame. That's okay. why. That's why right there. I mean, he's not just in the douche hall of fame. He's the grand freaking nozzle. Yeah. And by the way, we have a big uh, douche hall of fame vote coming up in uh, just a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Monday, November 7th, mm-hmm. the vote, the official vote on Hillary Clinton. Does she go in to the douche hall of fame? So on that okay. Monday, for those of you that uh, normally listen on the Blaze Radio, hmm uh, you need to go to theblaze.com uh, slash the feed. Yeah, or if you can re- uh, listen right. to the podcast right, the next right. day or whatever, you got to yeah. show up during the, the live show, which airs 11 to, to 1 yes. Central, so noon to 2 uh, mm-hmm. Eastern, and, uh, and, and, and check it out. Make sure you vote at theblaze.com slash the feed. And by the way, uh, I was just looking at the Donald Trump speaking there where he said, where he said, what did he say that you know no possible way the sentence that he said? Um, uh, I would reserve my right to contest or file a legal challenge in the case of a questionable result. I thought that he must have written that down because he wasn't using teleprompters anymore. But I just looked at his speech there. Uh, the teleprompters are back. So <laughs> they are back. Yeah. The way he was turning his head back and forth. Yeah. Amazing. He's busy reading out the, off the teleprompters again. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Uh, all right. Last night on The Vault, uh, Glenn, Dinesh, Souza, uh, Ellen and Jeremy Boyd discussed the founders' attitudes towards slavery. Uh, and Abraham Lincoln's approach to the Civil War. This is really important stuff because our kids are being taught unbelievable things about Abraham Lincoln. My son, uh, my second oldest son, is going to BYU, Idaho. BYU, Idaho. So you would think, okay, conservative, it's BYU. 
And then it's in Idaho. Rexburg, Idaho. Should be ultra conservative, right? I think so. He was just taught last week uh, that uh, Abraham Lincoln was a racist. And uh, the only time he ever spoke uh, poorly of slavery was in an effort to be elected president of the United States. Because the popular opinion back then, you know, was to get rid of slavery. So that was a way to get elected. I mean, unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable wow. stuff. So uh, here you'll find some things out from The Vault on Glenn's show last night. So let's go over here because I think Jeremy has some things on slavery laid out for us. And I need the peace medal back. Hmm. Although well, you do look if like you a insi- rapper. If you insist. Yeah. It was looking good on me. I know. I love the, the hand of the Native American and the American with the peace pipe. Peace and friendship, which is not... That's not what we're, we're taught in school. No, that's true. Okay, so the difference, the, they didn't see a difference um, uh, with Native Americans, but they did with African Americans. Yeah, you know, Tocqueville in the 1830s makes a very insightful observation about this. He goes, the, the American Indian um, never wanted to be a part of white society. Mm-hmm. And, and that was his tragedy, that there was no place for him in America. The African wanted to, but was never allowed to. So mm-hmm. Tocqueville has this essay called The Three Races of the United States, in which he discusses how the um, experience of um, American Indians and experience of blacks, although similar in some ways, was very different in other ways. So the, the um, Jackson starts the Democratic Party. We have already, the founders sprinkled the seeds to stop slavery. Um, They wanted to end it right away. They couldn't, but they stopped the importation in the early 1800s. Yep. Then what happens with Jackson? Well, you can see the effect of that. So wait, I've never heard that. What? That they stopped the importation. I mean, I never got taught that in school. Yeah, that was the three-fifths compromise, right? Well, the founders outlawed the slave trade as of, I believe, 1808. So they outlawed it as of 20 years or 15 years ahead. Um, And um, um, then uh, what happened was um, the invention of the cotton gin came to the very end of the 19th century. That gave a big boost to slavery. The founders had no idea this was coming. So then slavery actually began to increase in the 19th century. Even though, I thought they had banned it. Uh, 1808, well, you couldn't import any right. more slaves. Exactly. So the founders wouldn't allow new slaves to come from Africa, but what had happened was that the slaves were reproducing in, in America. And so by having So kids, there was still a slave trade you could sell them, they just had to be American-born. Yeah, you, oh, could, you, just, you just couldn't bring them in from the outside. But you can see the effect of the founding. Before the founding, slavery was legal in all states. Yes. And essentially, 20 years after the founding, slavery had become a, a regional institution. Southern, um, Southern. All, virtually all the northern states had either outlawed it or were in the process of shutting it down. Yeah. And it was going on in the south mainly because of the now the great economic viability of it. And the Industrial Revolution was, was fueled with cotton right. and textiles, which were being exported to, to Britain. And the Democratic Party then became the champion of slavery. It became the party in defense of slavery. Um, the Democrats have hidden this. They say, no, slavery was the South. But the Northern Democrats protected slavery. Stephen Douglas, the champion of the Northern Democrats, was a great defender of slavery. He was in league with the Southern Democrats. And the party, North and South, understood its job was not only to keep slavery going, but to extend it, 
to expand it. And that's really what ultimately the Civil War was about. It wasn't even about ending slavery. It was about ending the expansion of slavery. That's what, you know, it's funny because slavery, you know, I'm Mormon, and that's what the driving out of the Mormons, uh, at least the way the Mormons look at it, part of the real reason of the Mormons being driven out of Missouri was because they were anti-slavery. And they, there was a lot of money to be made, and they didn't like that. The, the, the progressive historians today will defend Douglas um, and say, well, he wasn't really pro-slavery because he said, let each state vote for slavery up or down. But Douglas would advocate an expansion of the American empire to go through South America, covering all of Mexico, and he wanted slavery south of the Mason-Dixon line to last forever, forever. Uh, so he saw a world in which slavery would never be abolished. Now, this is totally different from the founders. The founders didn't like slavery. They didn't know what to do with it. Jefferson calls it the wolf by the tail. But they had... The wolf by the tail. He goes, we've got this wolf by the tail. Mm -hmm. He goes, we can't hold him, but we can't really let him go. And, and, and um, Benjamin Franklin died. They called him insane, senile, because he became such a huge abolitionist by the end of his life. They tried everything they could to discredit him. But that's not what we hear about the founders no, today at all. No, no, no. And Jefferson was, you know, interestingly, Jefferson was a very secular guy. He was the, probably one of the least religious of the founders. But whenever he talked about slavery, he sounded like a preacher. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, he'd say things like, the Almighty has no attribute that can take our side on this issue. I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. Um, his justice will not sleep forever. Yeah. This is Jefferson. So what are all these items at the end of the table here, Jeremy? We, got, we pulled a couple. Dinesh and I sat down and kind of went through what we had. Um, interesting letter uh, from Abraham Lincoln. I love this. Did you, have you ever seen this? Have you ever even heard of this? Yeah, I, I know the text of this letter um, from the work of Harry Jaffa in his book, Crisis of the House Divided. So nobody, this isn't in any history book at school. No, this is... Um, We're taught that Abraham Lincoln didn't care about the black man, didn't care about slavery. This is, this is what, five years prior to him coming into office. He's a lawyer here, and that's incredible when you look at how a lawyer would think and how would you argue before two neutral parties, hey, what? How would this you is the Abraham Lincoln letter where he's saying, if person A says that he can enslave person B because his skin is lighter, be careful because the next person that has a lighter skin than you, if I said I could enslave Dinesh because his skin was lighter, be careful that we don't ever let a Swede into this room or he can enslave me. By that same law. Yeah. Well, this is, oh the, this is the, the, the power of Lincoln's thought because this, the, the Democrats would say we're enslaving the, the black man for his own benefit. He's inferior and therefore it's his destiny to be uh, a server rather than a leader. And uh, so Lincoln goes, wait a minute, if you're allowed to enslave your intellectual and social inferiors, there are intellectual and social inferiors among whites. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing in the principle of slavery, according to you, that prevents white slavery. So Lincoln was ultimately alerting the North to how insidious this principle was. But that's the same principle that leads to Nazism from the other side, from right? Like side. we're, yeah. we're, we're superior. 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 And mm -hmm. he's dismantling that. But that is Jackson and, and the whole... The, I think Jackson, I think the Republic actually ended as the founders knew it at Jackson. 
Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I, I think that the once the, uh, the you know, slavery has been around. So slavery has yeah. been around since the dawn of mankind. But uh, never before did anyone defend slavery as good for the slave. Everyone would defend slavery as justified by necessity. So Aristotle goes, in any civilization, there's a lot of dirty work to be done. You need some guys to do it. So why not use our captives in war? Let's make them do it. Right. Uh, but that is a moderate defense of slavery because it's based on necessity. Um, but the South, and particularly the Democratic South, came up with this idea that slavery is a school of civilization. It's good for the slave. Good for the slave. We just had. Give me the. Give me that. We just had. This stuff here is good for the slave. You yeah. Know, ankle so, chain. But yeah, I was going to say, how is how is keeping someone a captive good for them? Right. Like I, I sort of understand what you said. You you conquered someone. You you make them work you, for you. you. But this is not conquering them. This is just making them captive. Because you're saying they're inferior and therefore it's good for them. So we're beginning to see something that we've seen in the Democratic Party for a long time, and that is naked self-interest camouflaged as morality. Right? You're you're ripping the slave off. You're stealing his labor. You know, and and Lincoln, to his credit, you know, Lincoln kept getting attacked with things like, you believe that the black man is equal to the white man. Now, if Lincoln said he did, there was enough racial prejudice at that time that his career would have ended right then and there. So what Lincoln would do is he would sidestep the issue, and he would say things like, you know, um, if God had given the black man little, that little let him enjoy. In other words, what, uh, and this actually picks up on something Jefferson said. Even Jefferson, when he speculated that blacks may be inferior, he goes, whatever be their talents... It is no measure of their rights, meaning mm, wow. it doesn't matter if the guy's inferior. He still gets the right to keep what he's earned. In Lincoln's words, the guy who grows the corn should have the right to put that corn in his own mouth. Mm. That's the anti-slavery principle. And if you think about it, that's still the principle of the Republican Party. We should keep the fruits of our own labor. And it's still the principle of the Democratic Party that someone else gets to it confiscate those, those fruits and take possession They're of still them. slaves and still masters. And... They're still making, the, the state's still making money off of them. I mean, th this is a, I mean, it looks like a dog tag. It does. This is from Charlotte, right? Yeah. Um, this is, you had to go, just like you have to license your dog, you had to license your slave, and they wore them around their neck. So this, the state, or in this case, the city, was making money. Can I hold yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, it would be a tax for yeah. their slaves. That was slave 1041. Pretty, pretty intense. Now, interestingly, there has been a very uh, subtle campaign of vilification against Lincoln, founder of the Republican Party, our greatest president, in the idea that he didn't ultimately care about slavery. That he was, and, and Lincoln does seem to support this when he says things like, I'm fighting for the Union. And he at one point says, if I could save the Union without freeing a single slave, I That's would do it. This is like the, this is like the, um, the burning uh, proof that supposedly Lincoln was not anti-slavery. But in reality, what had happened was when the Civil War broke out, a bunch of southern states seceded, but the border states did not. Maryland didn't secede. At that, initially, Virginia hadn't seceded. Kentucky hadn't seceded. Neither had Missouri. And I think Lincoln believed that if all those states seceded, the cause of the Union was lost. So he had to keep the border states in the Union, and the border states had slaves. So Lincoln, once the war started, redefined the war as protecting the Union. 
because he had the diplomatic challenge of preserving the border states in the Union. That is now used as evidence that he was a liar. He didn't really believe what he said. He was not really, he didn't really care about slavery. All not true. It is the job of a statesman to maintain the anti-slavery coalition that enabled the Republicans to win the Civil War. Wow. Right. That's a- People are so simple-minded today. <laughs> they can't see the nuances of the political maneuvering that was necessary. They, they do it today, and they're fine with it today, and they understand it today. You don't think that stuff had to be going? You don't think it was even more important in 1860 trying to keep a union together? I mean, uh, it's madness. Yeah, I mean, it's madness. They typically try to like. Uh, it's tough because you know they were made Lincoln into a hero for those reasons in the movie. I mean, that was what uh, right. kind of, and it's what Hillary right. got in trouble yeah. for when he was talking about. A, she was talking about a private position and a public position in those emails. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the exact reference of what she was talking about, talking about how he took public <laughs> positions and private positions with different people to try to get all that done. It's a shady part of politics. You like it yeah. to happen as, as infrequently as possible and only in the worst case scenarios. I think we can all agree the Civil War was That was, a was pretty kind of a big much one. a worst case yeah. scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, was yeah. If you're ever going to do that, uh, that's the time you're going to have to do it. And, and that is true. I mean, I think it wasn't inaccurate what he was saying uh, about keeping the union together. That was important, and it was something he was high on his priority list, absolutely. Right. But just so thought, was slavery. So was slavery. And, and, and thank yeah. God. I mean, I, it's tough. It, it's so horrific that the, this country thought that was a good idea. Now, mm-hmm. looking at it, and as they explained at the beginning of that piece, we took a stand really early against slavery. And, uh, and we were the, an outlier in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. So understanding that, like, you know, the world's opinion was you have slaves. And we got that turned around pretty quickly here. Yep. Um, and obviously fought a giant war over it. We stopped still, the slave trade in 1808. Yeah, that's... A, Actually passed it in 1807, and it went into effect in 1808. And, and, and that was about imp- largely about importing slaves, right? Yes, yeah. so right. no more imported slaves. Now, th- there were domestically born slaves, mm-hmm. so there were new ones still because they were, you know, still breeding slaves or whatever. Yeah, it was And obvious. there still was slavery, but we stopped the trading in human and the human trafficking in 1808, which was... You know, just 20 years after the Declaration of Independence. Right. I mean, and, and well, it's, still, it's still an uh, unacceptable, um, but it, it's one of yes. those things where they were going against the tide at the time. And you have to view it through that lens. I, you know, I find it hard to understand. And as Dinesh just went through several examples of they knew it was wrong at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew it was wrong. Um, he described it as, uh, uh, I think it was Jefferson, was it Jefferson? Saying, uh, it's like we have a, a wolf by the tail. We can't really mm-hmm. hold on to it, but we can't really let go of it. Um, and, you know, that's the way they looked at it. It was a difficult situation, especially when you're talking about keeping the union together. But that's why, you know, I love, like, Ben Franklin. I mean, you know, a guy who sat there and fought against it and basically ruined his entire reputation fighting against slavery. I mean, he yeah. thought of it to be a nut job by the yeah. end of it. Uh, our friends at My Patriot Supply have your back. So for whatever preparation you need to make, they've got you covered. Whether you want to get prepared for you know three days or a week or 
in this case, four weeks. They've got a four-week emergency food supply for $99. Just an incredible deal. And the food really tastes good. Yeah, uh, that's what I love about it. Yeah, and it lasts as well. I mean, you think about, i, I got to buy some food. And then, a, well, in a year, we can rotate through it, and we can use it up, and then we can get new food and put it in a storage. Not with my Patriot Supply. Don't have to you do You buy that. it once, and then you're covered for 25 years, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice. Uh, you don't have to wait for a disaster to strike to do this. In fact, if you do that, then you're too late. So call them. Preparewiththeblaze.com. Preparewiththeblaze.com. Or 888-411-5290. Uh, it's a limit of two per caller. So give them a call now, 888-411-5290, or prepare with theblaze.com. What? Hmm. Where's the Jeffy segment today? I just, I don't feel like doing any more work. I don't know. You got nothing? Well, we already talked about the Blue Jays, right? They lost. I was going to go in-depth of the baseball game. Oh, why, did, why would we want to talk about what? stupid baseball? I, I, it's an know, outdated just... sport. No one follows it. <laughs> <laughs> stupid. I was just reading an article on uh, NFL's uh, little problem this year. Yeah. yeah. Where they're down. Did they mention know. it all? They the... did, actually. Oh, okay. This, wow. Because okay, I had that in the back of my mind because you just said the other day, not in any of the articles well, have they mentioned read, yeah, the, the protest. No... But they spent a lot of time. First, they mentioned... Uh, it might be the fact that uh, uh, Tom Brady didn't play. Uh, it might be the schedule wasn't filled with really good games. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it, it might be Peyton Manning is gone. Or it, it just might be that people are really pissed off about this dumb kneeling protest you're doing during the national anthem and Patriots are just not going to watch. Uh, maybe they're protesting your protest and turning it off. They did actually bring that up. And, and there are some uh, owners. Um, Drake McLean was one of them in Houston. And uh, what's the guy's name in Atlanta? What's his name? I'm sure Keith will be in here momentarily. <laughs> Art Blank in, in Atlanta was, they were both talking about the fact that, you know, uh, we keep saying in the NFL that uh, this could be an issue, but we need to do something about it. And they need to do, we, you know, Pat, you and I were talking uh, the other day. They need to do something now. Yeah, they do. Because yeah, they do. it's going to be. Nip it in the bud. It's almost too late. I mean, it's pretty close to being too late now. I'm not really with you on this. I I'm think. not talking about too late to do something. I'm talking about too late for people to believe it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know what they're supposed to do. I mean, I, if he well, wants to they do meal. like like Jeffy brought up a, a couple of weeks or well, last time we talked about this. They they take action on everything. They sure do. What you can wear, what right. you can but say, where, where you can stand, what you can do. There's so why can't a, they tell him? No, you got to stand there. There's yes. not a huge pro facial hair con- constituency. There's not a huge pro. I'm wearing uh, orange sh- shoes when I'm supposed to wear blue shoes constituency. Like, remember, if you stop him from doing this, you A, draw gigantic attention to it, mm-hmm. and B, you do piss off all the people who are supporting his protest, which is significant. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I he, know. listen to this poll. This is, I'm just finding this now. I had not seen this before. NFL ratings are down across the board. Some have pointed to anthem protests. Um, so they polled uh, 1,136 Americans to find out. So are you watching more games or less, is the first question they asked. 27% of NFL fans are watching more games. 29% of NFL fans are watching less games. Okay? Okay. So slightly more are watching less games. Why? Why are they doing that? 40% of people said it was the Kaepernick protest. 
So of the people who are watching wow. less games, four, less than half, about 40%, but significant. So it's the fr- highest amount. Yeah, that's um, more than yeah. I thought. Said, uh, said it would be Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Um, uh, lack of opportunity, 31%. Lost interest, 28%. Election, 17%. The other oh, that's the other thing. They, they and there is something to the debates. I mean, yes, there are. Yeah. You know, eighty-four million it, two, watched two one games. of them. Sixty-six I mean, million watched another. And there's one. definitely something games. to there's definitely something, there's something to, to being that. able to watch it on different formats. Yep, and that's what he yes. said. What the USA uh, the USA Today had a, um, a transcript of his actual uh, speech, and he said, "I don't, I don't think there's a, sing, a single reason for it. this." Is Roger Goodell. We look at all those factors. Everyone has theories. We also know that two primetime games saw our most dramatic decrease right. went straight up against two very significant debates. So, that, so the biggest, obviously, I mean, that everybody acknowledges is real. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two games against the debates, those ratings are going to suck for those two games. Sure. Another one of our primetime games was on a Thursday night on NFL Network as opposed to a network broadcast, which will always get a lower rating. There are a lot of factors to be considered. We don't make excuses. We try well, to. Well, they do that every year. No, no, because the games are also on CBS usually. They weren't on that, that, that uh, game. But there's a lot of games. Uh, they were doing this last year where it I don't wasn't, think they wasn't did on the, CBS. this early in the season, though. I don't know. I know late in the season know. they do NFL only. Anyway, we don't th- their, their point, though, we don't think we've lost viewers. When you look at ratings, you right. have to look a little Across deeper than platforms. that. Viewers, it's how long they're engaging for. A lot of times people will leave a game for whatever reason. So they think the people are tuning in, but some of the games they bailed on. Um, which, I mean, you could say the product is worse, but if they're tuning in, it's not necessarily because of the protest, and, and, you wouldn't think. And I will say, uh, the, uh, I don't know. Well, not this, uh, maybe not last, maybe it was, was last Thursday, but I just remember one of the Thursdays I was working and I had my laptop open at the house and the Twitter, my Twitter page, uh, had the NFL game running. Uh, you know, because yeah. Twitter, they're carrying the NFL game. I didn't even, I didn't have to click on it. I didn't have to open it. It was just a small little square down in the corner of my bottom amazing, of my Twitter page yeah. watching the NFL game, and I, I minimized it so I could... But can you, know, you make it big if you want? Yes. Take up the whole screen? Yes. Mm. And, I, you know, so I was catching the game. Wow. You know, and that, that's... I, amazing. Th- I know. I love that's it. That's amazing. Well, so, I mean, it's going to happen. But, then. I, but I tell you, it's going to happen. When, the, the, the network numbers are going to continue to go down. And Ed Morrissey of Hot Air, I mean, his line of, his line of when sports becomes another politicized arena for multimillionaires to lecture the fans, that provide their celebrity lifestyle, it's going to come as no surprise that you know fans are going to go away. I but don't think it's a positive. I, I, I admit it, it that, isn't I mean, a positive. But it, I it's not helping them. That's for sure. But the other thing is, they said let's put this into context. The NFL still dominates. I mean, yeah. it's still. I think their oh, rating is an average six four or something, and and that compares to a three two for the for the uh, Major League Baseball yes. playoffs. And I will say also they the have playoffs right. compared right. to the, early regular season games, right. and the NFL doubles them. So here's a head-to-head matchup that just So occurred. that's pretty big. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, Houston, Texas, uh, NBC game. Okay, this is uh, what was a Sunday What a game, game that was, too, when the Texans pulled that out. And that was actually a great They were game. down right. 23-9 with about three and a half minutes left, came back and won at 26-23 no, in overtime. For most of the game, it was actually kind of a bad game. It, it was. And then the ending yeah, was. was actually But the ending good. was awesome. Okay, uh, that went up against uh, head-to-head with game two of the NLCS. Okay. <clears throat> Los Angeles Dodgers major market, Chicago Cubs major market. Right. Clayton Kershaw on the mound. Two big, uh-huh. two big markets gone. Right. Mm-hmm. But, so, that, right, but I mean, you know, right? The uh, the overnight ratings, uh, Sunday Night Football did a 9-0. Uh, the Cubs game did a 5-0. So almost they doubled. almost doubled. Almost doubled. The NLCS with For two major markets. For a mostly crappy game. For a mostly crappy game, 
as opposed to a really good game with uh-huh. Clayton Kershaw, Cubs, who haven't won a World Series since 1908, versus the Dodgers, number two and number three media market in America. Now, the and they Cubs still are, double the ratings. Well, the Cubs are claiming those numbers are fixed. <laughs> They're rigged. They're rigged. Oh boy! Yeah. All right, more Pat and Stu coming up in a minute. Or, yeah, too. I'd love to have the problems the NFL has. I mean, that, those are problems I need. Good problems. I mean, that's what happened with Pat and Stu. I mean, what, when our ratings drop for 600 million people to 598, everyone complains. That's why we're having to endure games in London and Shanghai. Yeah, that's true. Well, hello, and welcome back to the program. We're going to talk in radio voices today, and we're going to lock you into our contest call now. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning uh, out there this morning, the morning time. Uh, it's a little bit cooler today. High of about 73 in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, we're going to do traffic and weather together coming up every three minutes on the two. You know, as I was driving in this morning, Pat, I was thinking... Well, man, I've got to get to work to read some scriptures and thank the Lord <laughs> that the weather is for so a, nice. For another gorgeous country. day out there, right, Jeffy? A beautiful day out there, Stu. Yeah, that's, radio that's right. We're going to be uh, calling in to call, caller number 47 <laughs> on our call-in lines. Gets to sleep with Jeffy. Uh, it's our contest we run every week. And, called Sleep uh, with Jeffy. Sleep with Jeffy. Get a new uh, disease. Sleep with Jeffy. Oh, no, if it's not flared up, you're good. You know, it's kind of fun to do, Stu. It's a game we like to play where we tell you color number 47. However, when you get to color 46, you keep telling them they're 46. Very funny stuff. We're going to do that. We're going to try that out again today. Some funny, funny stuff. Like the guy calls and you're at 45, then you go to number 46. Hi, you're calling number 46. Try again. And you hang up on him. And then the next call, you say, hey, you're number 46. Try again. And then the next one, you go, hey, you're number 46. Try again. And you don't wait for him to say, hey, you said that to the last guy. What people don't know is we recorded this during the songs we played. And so nobody knew that they were all color 46. Yeah, see, it was fun. It was just funny to you. It was only funny to you. That's why you do that stuff And then to the listeners who hear it later that's why you do that stuff on the air a lot yeah okay right. we uh do you because i remember that when i first started in radio um i was at kc 101 uh fabulous radio station pat used to also work for as well mm-hmm. as glenn in new haven connecticut and you see the point one of the first things you're doing when you actually get yourself into the studio is you're answering the phone and they do like you know they'd play the touchstones and then people were supposed to call it would be caller 101. It was caller number 10 for the basic contest, but then it would be caller 101 for the big contest. And those were like when you weren't just getting winning a piece of paper or a sticker. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, caller number 10 gets a sticker, uh, but you get qualified to another contest that will give you a value of $8. <laughs> and that was kind of the way the contest worked. Hardy's gift certificate for caller number 9. Right. You get in there, and like the first day, you're, you're answering 101 calls. Yeah, caller one. Your caller two. Your caller three. It takes a while. Four. It takes a long time. By day the end, five. You're waiting like five minutes, and you're picking up. Hi, your caller one hundred one. Day five. <laughs> Little Hello, known. Your, your number one. Little known radio secret. Number forty. Nobody ever goes through. You go to ten, and then maybe you like wait a second and go. Hi, your caller number hundred. Right. And then you'll go to one hundred one, and it's. 
It's just lazy. It's a lie. It's a lie. They might have some of the stations might now have automated services that pick up. I don't know, but I mean, like, oh yeah, toward the end of my music radio career, we did have that. You just you hit a button and it cycles through it. And Until then, you get to 101. And what's ringing is 100. And a lot of times you'd pick up caller 101 and there would be nobody there or the phone line would drop. And so, like, it was really like 104 that's, who that's, actually wins the prize. That's why yes. when, when you pick up 101, you, ne- you never say, hey, you're caller 101. Right. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, well, hello. Yes. Well, that was another uh, was another um, radio, inside radio secret. <laughs> um, and I don't know anyone who did this, but I could tell you stories of, of rumors I've heard uh, mm-hmm. in the past in which you would hmm. you're doing a show in which you want someone to be excited because that's the whole point of giving away a prize. There's no there's nothing, no benefit of giving oh, away. A there's prize. nothing. Oh, my God. Nothing worse oh, nothing than a crappy worse. winner. Oh, worse. Nothing worse than a crappy oh. winner. You'd be like, you just won a thousand dollars. You're like, oh, OK, cool. Oh, good. That's good. Wow, that's great. Do I need to come and no. pick it up or what's the. Uh, how long how does that work? work? Yeah, exactly. It's that bad. So <sighs> there are some people and this is wrong and I never participated in it. But some people would pick up caller 101 and Have go, them do it over again. Oh, well, that's one option. Have you ever done or that? Or you pick it up and you don't tell them they're caller 101. And you're like, hi, who's this? Uh, Bill. Bill, are you one a thousand dollars? Yeah, man, I'm, I've been listening all day. Oh, well, yeah, you're so caller 96. Sorry. Here's another little trick, a little inside <laughs> trick that I've heard about. And I, I, I of course, never, never do this. Obviously. But they pick it up and hear that it's a guy. And guys are never as good on the phone yes. as girls Yes, winning a contest. True. And they would say, if, it, if you're looking for caller number 99, dude, sorry, you're number 98. Try again. Oh, <laughs> man. Okay. And then you pick it up and hi. Yeah, hi. Ooh, you're caller number 98. Try again. <laughs> and then you pick it up. Hey, uh, Casey Pants, hi. You're caller number... Hi, I'm Susan. You're 99! <laughs> yeah, because these people who did things like this would like, because you can hear people. the tension. Of course it's wrong. It's wrong the voice. of these people to do that. You can hear the tension in the voice. They'd be like, oh, uh, oh, I'm calling for the contest. <laughs> when you get that voice sound, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. You're the winner! Because then right. they, they get very excited. They go, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And, of course, that's the only reason you're taking the stupid call in the air anyway. Like, okay. like and, and a lot of times, I mean, if, if someone boring won, wins the contest, these separate people from us would uh, would just not put them on the air. Like, like ah, we just gave away caller number. Right. You know, you it's just, just not worth it. It's and not it, worth it. It's such a bummer when that happens. When you're giving away a massive prize, like we we did a game, we did a not, contest. We called, said we by mistake. There, we, what you I mean, is, somebody gave away a, okay. a, a prize called the birthday game <laughs> okay, one yeah, time sure. in Baltimore, Maryland, <laughs> and uh, and it was like caller 104. If your birthday is this, and I, I, I forget all, all have how it went, but the winner was like really lackluster, and it was fifty thousand oh. dollars. It was in the days when local radio made all kinds I'm of money. Giving you fifty thousand dollars, you better freaking yeah. be excited. You yeah. better, you your head should freaking explode <laughs> if I'm giving you fifty thousand dollars, and that was our attitude. Right, and, and you want that because because then the radio station plays it over and over and over again. You make a big deal out of it, and you get a lot of ratings from it. And we had a winner that was like, "You just won a fifty thousand dollar prize." <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great? Yeah, and then you start mocking them. In that him. tone? Yeah, yeah. And so we had her do it, I don't know, 20 times That's what you just before started. we finally went on the air with it. I mean, over and over. I would have just played every one. And then we spliced all the best parts together and, and pieced it together. <laughs> So, I mean, it's so bad. Again, you said we, as if it I was mean, they, you. I mean, when, when we heard the story, that's how it was re- 
related to it. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, weird way to we're, we're out of time here. God oh, darn it. Go and break here. Mm. More coming up. Jeffy just took the $50,000 and put it in his own bank account. <laughs> that's another radio. I mean, did you get another- a winner? Yep. Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way Productions are teaming up to recruit oh, no. uh, Captain Planet. Oh no! To take pollution down to zero, down to zero. Good for him. He's yeah. got nothing else to do now. The UN zero. Wants him out. That was part of the song. It was Captain Planet, Euro Hero, take yeah. our pollution down, down to, to zero. zero. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that show? Uh, no. It was the nineties, I, I would say, uh, uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not a fan of it at the time, um, but I do remember it being on the air. It was like a, they were like a super, a group of, you know, we did a freaking segment on this on Wonderful I, World of Sue. Yeah. I, now that I'm uh, thinking about it, that's why um, it's actually in my mind. And it was about how they, they came together to like destroy, um, Mr. Nuclear or Duke, was it? Oh, Duke Nukem. Was it Duke Nukem? Duke Nukem. Was that him? Was that that show? Okay, yeah. He was, so, yeah, he was nuclear so. waste because nuclear power is so dangerous, as you know. Uh, even though it's, it's by far by kilowatt hour over safe. a billion people worldwide. I mean, a billion people or is have that died just in the United well, States. I'll say this: a billion people have died since it was created. Thank you. It's about time. It's about time yep. you admit it. It's about time. Mm-hmm. Now, Fukushima alone killed over 17 million people. Yeah, I mean, 17 people. million people have died since Fukushima. In Fukushima. In the world. From the nuclear. Yes. Uh, from the no. nuclear. Are you still denying? <laughs> Are you still freaking denying? He's still I am, denying the denying. fact I of the have nuclear. Have you not seen the pictures, the horrific pictures? Have you not seen the giant hogs, the dead people, all of it? <laughs> and you're still denying? <laughs> Wait, there's giant Let's hogs? Let's break it down there. The dead people, no, I haven't seen it because it hasn't happened. What about giant hogs? There's the, the nuke hogs? The boar hogs that are taking over Fukushima? <laughs> Are you pretending you haven't seen that? No, no I actually whatever. But I'm on your whatever. side. I'm on your side, Jeffy, because this guy is a science whatever. denier. Yeah, no, he's no, a no, science no, denier. No one, no one died because of Fukushima. No one. And you are so. I, now people I, died because of the earthquake and the tsunami. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of yeah. people died because of that. Yeah. Zero people died because of Fukushima. But but a full zero, like the whole circle. I mean, they didn't stop drawing the circle halfway through. It was only a C. The circle went all the way around to is zero. This, uh, I, I hope we're in a break. No, this is, this is on the air. In this little fantasy land of yours, how many people, though, died? I mean, I, I suppose you're a denier of Three Mile Island. Yeah, disaster. no, but zero. Um, actually, the worst people were affected by the uh, same amount of radiation huh. as a full set of chest X-rays. And next, I'll be hearing from you that 50,000 people did not die. At Chernobyl. But you go with a low estimate there. It was, there was some that were 500,000 from Chernobyl, but uh, 56 is the correct number. Not 56,000. 56, 56. Yeah, people died. 56,000 56, yeah. 56, people. Yeah, yeah and, and almost all of them were rescue workers who came in to try to fix it and were standing in the core unprotected. 
Yeah, that was not wise. Why did they do that? No, you know, they're actually, I mean, those guys they, were heroes. Surely the Soviet Union knew better than that. Some of those people were heroes. Oh, they totally knew. They just didn't care. I mean, they, they, were, they treated their people like, you know, cogs. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, those people are actually heroes. There's footage of them. Mm. There's one guy who brought a camera to it, and I, I think later died. Would love to see the oh, footage of that. It's incredible because I mean, the they're like they actually have cleanup. The footage? day it happened, they're like looking into the core, like look. Oh my god! I mean, it's amazing. Um, What's it, that called? Uh, I don't the know. Doc, I don't know. I don't even know. If, you know I don't look into there that. There is one. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, Natasha will know. I think the name of it because because uh, we, we did a piece right. on this a while ago. Well, we're going to get pollution down to zero, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, the movie is anyway. what, coming out? Or is it a, is it a series? It's uh, a movie. TV show. It's going to be a real-life one. That movie's really ridiculous. Holy cow. Yeah.